So would you consider yourself judgmental? Think about it for a moment. And I already know you're probably like, well, what degree are you talking about? Because <laughs> I know a whole lot of people who are more judgmental than I am. But do you even consider yourself judgmental? Okay, so what, what makes you judgmental? Well, you start making judgments, right? Uh, you make conclusions about people. You take one look and then you size them up, right? And then you start to create a story about who you think that person is. You question motives. You're critical, negative. You create narratives, right? You, you fill in the gaps of information that you don't have. You actually can start making up a pretty good story. And then you share that story and then you wonder why um, people get hurt. <laughs> you talk about people and purely just from your own observation, right? And then you would say, are you judgmental or not? I, I would have to say I am a um, recovering, struggling, judgmental person. Um, hi, my name's Mark Warren. I struggle with judgmentalism. And, um, and Jesus is setting me free. <laughs> there we go. You know, the crazy thing is, it's, it's actually ingrained in us. It's not giving you a way out, because we're going to get into Romans chapter 2 that talks about this. I'm not giving you a way out, but it is ingrained in us. We're trained to be critical thinkers, right? And so we're always having to look at things critically, but what we find is our critical thinking has become critical of people. We begin to think the way that the world should look, and we think that our, our way is the right way. And everybody else who has a different opinion uh, must be wrong. And I know that's the way I feel. You're, you're typically always wrong because I'm right. <laughs> right? That's the, but we do that in our minds, right? We, we create these scenarios like somehow we know better. And so often of the time, we don't even know the story and what's going on in that person's life. But we have them sized up. We are making judgments. Unfortunately, I would say Christians as a whole are known to be judgmental people. Why is that? Why, why, why do we have that reputation? And if you're not a believer of Jesus and you're watching online and, and you're here in the room with us, um, you might agree with that. Yeah, those, those Christians can be judgmental. But why do you think that we, I'm going to put ourselves in a category, why do you think that we do that? Why do we think that we begin to judge people. I, I've been thinking about that, and I don't have the clear answer, but I also wonder if maybe it's easier to look at somebody else's life than it is to look at your own life. Maybe it's easier to be distracted by talking about other people than really allowing Jesus to talk to you about what's going on in your life. Well, Romans chapter 2, it says this, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, a woman, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, O oh woman, um, you who judge those who practice such things and yet you do them yourselves? 
What will you escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? I love that because they are talking something so true. The Apostle Paul, by the way, remember, wrote this book to the church in Rome. He had not yet visited it, but he's writing a letter to the Christians, by the way. So remember, we're, we're putting ourselves in this writing. And he's talking about some of the attributes of God, God's kindness, his forbearance and patience. But then this is what I love. It says, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. God's kindness to each one of you and I is to lead us to repentance. But because of your hard and impotent, impenitent, Impenitent, there we go. It's not an impotent heart. (laughs) That would be wrong. Did I just say that out loud? Sorry. Okay. Oh, my lanta. All right. Impenitent. So in other words, impenetrable heart. That's what that word means. Oh, get it right. Um, (laughs) Your heart, you're storing up the wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be received. Let me just finish this section, then we'll, we'll dig into it. He'll remember, sorry, he'll render to each one according to his works. By the way, that's, that's really important for you to know, church, that he will either reward you or you'll receive a non-reward based on the works of our life. That's why when we say that we're helping you get ready to meet Jesus face to face, every single one of us are going to come to that point in our life where we're going to stand before Jesus. We're actually stand before God. God is the judge. Jesus is our advocate. This is the beauty of this. And we're going to get this in Romans chapter three. We're not quite there yet. So don't feel like you're going to experience the wrath of God. Under, under Jesus, who is... Um, really, the advocate for us, he basically, when God sees us and he sees Jesus, we give given our life to Jesus, he's like, he only sees his son. He's taken, Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself when he went to the cross. Amazing, amazing. But it is saying that we will be rewarded for our works that we have done here on earth. Um, okay. He'll render to each one according to his works to those who by patience and well-being, patience and well-being seek the glory and honor of immortality. He will give eternal life. But those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and then also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first, also the Greek, for God shows no impartiality. In in Paul's writing here, he really does distinguish a lot about the Jews and the Greeks. Remember, Paul is a Jew himself. He was a persecutor of Christians until he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, and yet, he's writing to the church of Rome that have um, Greeks in there and, and considered Gentiles, non-Jews would be considered Gentiles. And there was this idea that when people came to Christ, that somehow they had to carry on some of this Jewish tradition. 
like because Jesus, Jesus was a Jew as well. And, and Paul's trying to break down this idea that somehow there's some sort of class, like Jews are better than Gentiles, or Gentiles need to start doing things like Jews did. He starts going in there and talking about circumcision versus non-circumcision, and, and really what it boils down to, though, is, is God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at outward appearance. God looks at your heart, and, and yet, yet when we start judging people, we make judgments based on outward appearances, don't we? The way somebody looks, the way somebody dresses. I, I was thinking about how can I dress in a certain way today that will throw you off a little bit, and I was thinking, well, I, I could put an earring on this morning and then not tell you about it, a dangling one, <laughs> and then, then you'd like, your mind would go wild, like, what is Pastor Mark doing? No pastor in his right mind should be doing that. And then you would make, my point would be like you were making some judgments. But, but the reality is God looks at the heart and not at the outward appearance. Remember when, when King David was chosen, he wasn't king yet, but little David was chosen. Samuel, uh, the prophet and priest, was, was, try, was going to pick who would be the king. And everybody said, well, the tall person, the handsome person, the, you know, all the outward appearance. And then it, Samuel goes like, no, but God is looking for the heart of somebody. And, and I wonder if we, get, we need to stop judging from the outside and begin to take time to understand what's in somebody's heart. See, God sees immediately um, what's in people's hearts. He sees what's in our heart immediately. But, but for us, we're so quick with people and we're so quick to make judgments and yet we don't even take time to get to know them. So remember what we said was the, the challenge about judgmentalism is, well, actually, I didn't say this. Paul says it in Romans chapter 2. He says that when we start judging, we're actually condemning ourselves. It's a really important point to make because in, in many ways, you don't realize that when, we, when you judge, when I judge, we're actually hurting ourselves. Do you know what the law of... Re, re, Oh my word, what's going on this morning? Reciprocity, the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity, it's a universal law, but basically it states this, whatever you put out there will come back to you. Whatever you put out will come back. Why one of our uh, values as a church is generosity is because I really want you to be blessed. And so when we, when we are generous with God and when we're generous with others, when we're generous with our time, when we're generous with our money, it, you heard the expression, you can't outgive God. It's so true. It's the law of reciprocity. There we go. But this is what he's saying with judgment. He says, the moment that you start judging people, you're actually condemning yourself. It's like holding up a mirror and the moment you start saying something negative, the moment you start uh, making an opinion, the moment you start judging, that actually begins to come back on you. Now, it's not always meaning it's the, the judgment is like somebody else speaking bad to you. Can I tell you that, that if you live a very negative life, always negative, critical, science has shown that disease forms in people's bodies who are negative, critical people. 
It's the, it's the law of reciprocity. It's what you put out there will eventually come back to you. And this is what Paul says. It says, every single one of you who judges, you, you're actually condemning yourself. So I have to admit, um, I told you I'm a recovering judgmental person, right? So sometimes I slip up. Last week I slipped up. We were talking about the, um, the LGTB Pride Month last week, and, and I made a comment. I made a comment that I said, and I can't believe they stole our, stole our flag or stole the rainbow. And in many ways, okay, this sounds okay, right? But in many, I, by, by saying that, I'm almost like putting people in camps, like, we're the one who claimed it first, you stole it from us, and therefore, bad on you. When God's heart like, I, God challenged me on that. I, I was thinking um, about that. And I was thinking, how would somebody who identifies with that hear that comment? How would they hear that? Like, I, yes, I'm just talking about the flag. Yes, I'm just talking about the rainbow. Yes, I'm just... But, but it's kind of like I'm saying that you're bad because you stole something from me. And the reality is, I, I wonder if they've adopted that is because the reality, they're just looking for peace and they want to belong. And they're looking for somebody to say, can I be adopted into a family? <laughs> and can I be safe in that family? And can you love me and find peace? And that's why I wonder if the church in, in is, is hard to be righteous before God, but yet we've crossed a line into judgmentalism, and in our judging, we've put up barriers to actually have people feel the love of God, and just to feel like they can belong, and and that they're in a safe place. I I remember early on in my leadership, somebody said something to me, and it's like, um, they said, you're not a very safe person. And, and I, I try like, I've never threatened you. I'm like, I'm trying to understand what that meant. And the reality was, is, is they didn't feel that they could be vulnerable with me. And I think Christians of all people need to, need to be safe people. They need to be places where people can come and just experience the love of God without the judgment. Okay. That, that struck a chord. Because here is the reality. All human beings will be judged, and God is the judge, not us. The interesting thing is, actually, Jesus himself is not even the judge. Jesus is not even the judge. Jesus himself said, i got to find it here. Yeah, in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. It says, um, verse, starting in verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. If you're trying to find this, it's John chapter 8, verse 12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to them, you are 
bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from, where I'm going. Here's the important part to listen to. He says, you judge according to the flesh. We do that, right? We judge according to the flesh. And then it says, I judge no one. Jesus said, I judge no one. Now, Jesus himself says he doesn't judge well, I think he sometimes got ticked off at the Pharisees for, for uh, mistreating people. But I think what he's saying there is, is he doesn't go around and, and start casting judgments on people. Woman at the well, great example. You know, she's been sleeping around, multiple husbands, multiple relationships. She's come to the well midday because she knows she's going to be like chastised if she's at the well at other times other people are there. Man, Jesus doesn't judge her in that moment, but yet what he speaks to her, he speaks life to her. He, and it forever changes her life for the good, and her family came to know the Lord. And I, and, I, and I just wonder, like, could we be doing that more? Could we be speaking more life over people instead of judgment over people's lives? Could we begin to start, like, pulling the best out of people instead of looking at the negative and looking at the critical and looking at what's not, but let's look at what is. What kind of reputation would a church have if Christians started loving that way, acting that way? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested by this um, verse in Matthew. Matthew chapter 7 Again, red letters in my Bible, Jesus' words. Matthew 7, starting in verse 1, says, Judge not that judge not that you be not judged. Law of, recipro law of reciprocity. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? but do not notice the log that's in your own eye. I think that goes back to that question of like, why, why do we judge? And I think we're afraid, as long as we're distracted talking about other people, we don't have a chance to actually allow Jesus to speak to our hearts of our own stuff in our own lives. Like, who are we? Who are we? Even though we're Christians, I don't know about you, but Jesus is still working on things in my life. So if you think you have it together, um, can, I, can I burst your bubble for a moment? <laughs> I just want to take a little pin to that balloon. That's Sorry, but I'm not so sure you do. And maybe you do, and maybe I'm just much further behind than you. But I, I'm working really hard to become more like Jesus, but I'm not there yet. And I, I have a feeling... That work, that work of sanctification will not end until I breathe my last breath on earth. In which case, then, then remember when um, they're getting ready to stone the woman caught in adultery and he says, you without sin cast the first stone. And, and yet they couldn't say that they didn't have sin. They, so they went away. 
But, but I, I'm more interested in this understanding that we are actually harming ourselves. Like this is a, not a message of correction for you. This is, I think we all realize we can be trapped in judging and, and we become judgy. But I, it's more of a message of, of helping us to understand that we're actually hurting ourselves when we judge. Because the measure we used will actually be measured against us. And I, and I want good things for you. I, I want life. I want prosperity for you. I want peace. I want um, joy. I want you to be full of faith. And yet here Jesus is saying that the, the measure you used will be measured against you. And, and yet it says you're trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye, but yet you've got a big old log in your eye. And, and he's trying to make a point. And then he says this, he says, first, take the log out of your own eye and you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's not saying don't go in and help when you see somebody struggling, but he's saying, put, put yourself in the same boat. You're not any more elevated than anybody else. You are just basically saying, you know what? We're in the same boat. We, are, we all have shortcomings we all fall short of the glory of God, right? But this is why we need a savior. But let me keep pointing you to Jesus. Now, it can be really easy for you to say, okay, well, we'll never be good enough or we'll never measure up. Then do we just stop judging everybody and then just let everything go? Because I think parents, you can almost hear this. It's like, well, does that mean I can just stop bringing correction to my kids? Does that mean I can just stop... I should stop, um, you know, saying don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible talks about truth and love. I'm saying that we need to keep sharing the truth of God's word. We need to keep encouraging one another to, towards Jesus. But when people fail, when people fall down, we, we don't shoot them, <laughs> right? We help them up. We help them up and love them. We, we don't judge them, lest you want to be judged. Um, in my town, or actually on the bordering town, there's, uh, there's a little range hall that I've been noticing lately. It's a, it's a place that must have some AA meetings. Our to, again, I'm making some assumptions here. Somebody did tell me that's where they thought it was, and it's just packed with cars, cars lined up on all down the streets. And, and it's, uh, and the other day I was driving by and I saw people getting out of their cars and, and my recovering judgmentalism <laughs> side of me was trying to put the story together, right? I'm filling in some blanks of who are these people, what are they doing? But, but I remember somebody saying once that the church should look like an AA meeting, and I started like that thought came to my mind and then, and then I'm looking at all these people and I have big smiles on their faces and yeah, some are tattooed up and some are smoking and, and, and yet they're, they're like, they're happy to see each other. And yet they're all there because they've struggled at some point. And, and the interesting thing about that is, is they come not expecting any judgment whatsoever. And that what's, that's what makes it feel safe for them. Hi, my name is, and I struggle with. 
You know, it's interesting. The Bible does say confess your sins one to another, uh, but we have a hard time in the church doing that because I, I, I wonder if it's because we truly aren't safe. If we don't feel like we have a safe enough environment, ah, by the way, I'm making huge generalizations, and I would say this church probably is, is, is better than most, quite frankly. I, I mean, I, I look at our Celebrate Recovery program, and people feel safe there. I look at our life groups. People feel safe in our life groups, and, and people have been transparent in our youth groups. And um, So I, I'm, not, I'm not being down on that. I'm just pointing out what Romans chapter 2 says, and my concern is, is that I want to make sure that you're getting everything that God has for you and, and not getting the things that we're putting out into the atmosphere that are coming back to hurt us because of our judgments. I, th- I think this season that we're in, because the way my mind works, I, I kind of look at the continuum of what God is doing. Okay, when's Jesus going to come back? Is he going to come back in our time? What is he doing in the life of the church? There's always movements that take place during different generations. We're coming out of COVID. I'm looking at what he's doing in my own heart, my own life. You know, I'm looking at what he's doing in your hearts and your life and and I'm saying, what does the word of God say to us? And, and how do I take all these parts and pieces and, and move us to the place that we're hearing from the spirit of God and that God is speaking to us, not Mark coming up with some good ideas. You notice anything that's a good idea here is really quoted from the scripture. I think Jesus is saying, I, I have so much more for you and I have good things in store for you. And it's been really easy, especially in the times that we've been in, from presidential elections to COVID. There's, we, we always have something that we can talk about in a negative way. We always have, there's, there's got to be so many people that we can disagree with. And, and then we can start making judgments. And my concern is, I I wonder what that's doing to us. One thing I know from my own life is these these habits that I've had, it's, it's, I've realized that my mind can easily go to the negative first. And it's taken me a real discipline in my life to guard what comes out of my mouth. But remember, God looks at your heart, not just what comes out of your mouth. So it's not only to speak positive and to speak life into people, but it's, do you really love people from your heart? Do do you take time to, to hear their story and take time to get to know somebody before you start filling in the gap of what you think somebody's life is all about by your judgment. You made, a, you made an assumption. You made, some, you made a narrative in your mind of who somebody is. Can I, can I challenge you this week that you begin to 
steward your mind and your heart, that you begin to be highly aware of your tone, your talk, what's going on in your heart, and you can begin to, when you mess up, oh man, why, why did I just kind of go to the critical spot? Why did I go to the negative spot? Why did I tell a story about somebody that half of it, I put pieces together and I don't know if it's the right story. And just own it and then begin to say, God, by your spirit, can you help me speak life? Can you help me love better? And, and let God do the judging. Let God do the judging. Then I would just encourage you on this one too. If God's the judge and the only way to not have judgment brought on somebody's life is a relationship with Jesus, do you think that we should be pretty concerned about people having a relationship with Jesus? I think so. So maybe just instead of judging, maybe like a silent prayer, like, Lord, let me not only speak life to this person, but if there's never an opportunity, can, can I just share my own story of my encounter with Jesus? Thanks, Tony, for that music behind us. I just feel like I'm ready to sit in my chair. I want to just like go into phase two of this message. I feel like I just want to just keep going. Um, only because of your playing, Tony. I was just like, I feel like I just want to sit in my lazy boy chair, which I don't own, but I feel like I want to own one. Pull up my footrest and just say, isn't God good? Isn't God good? See, there's no, there's no judgment for you being judgmental. <laughs> there's only hope to realize that our culture is set up for us to be critical, but, but my final words is don't go there. Think about holding up a mirror. Anything that you say comes back. Anything that's in your heart that you're chewing on comes back. Instead, focus on love. God is love. Focus on God's word, truth in love and just let Jesus do what Jesus needs to do and let God be the judge and not you everybody said amen welcome to church online my name is Pastor Mark and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road we just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.